Sandra Dawson, thank you for talking to Judge Window on the World podcast series today. The National Leadership Council is designed to champion leadership in the NHS. How did you go about your study and what did you find? We spoke to about 50 people. We had about three um, separate um, events in which we were really consulting. And the fundamental reason why we needed to consult is that too much in the NHS is given from the top down. If we really were going to enable the NHS to make a transformational change in leadership, then we had to do it by talking with those who are most directly affected. So fundamentally, it was a major consultation exercise done over a couple of months. And then with my team, we sat down and we distilled what we thought was the essence of what the NHS needed to do. And I think it's important to know that the team we had here in Cambridge was me, I'm an expert in organisational behaviour, an NHS consultant and manager, and then two young people who were going to be the leaders of tomorrow, one young cardiovascular surgeon and one physiotherapist. And we worked together completely sharing things at midnight on the email and generally working out what we thought was best for a system which is huge and wide and diverse and cannot be led from the top. And so you said you consulted with a a diverse range of people from the bottom to the top and and got all voices included. Can you just name some of the, you know, groups of people you consulted with? Did you... Oh, consultants, medical consultants, nurses at every level, doctors at every level, managers at every level, um, those who run the primary care teams, those who run the tertiary care of advanced cardiothoracic surgery, uh, those who lead uh, the development of policy and practice. So it was really this going across the health system, um, covering the representatives of really millions of people. And were you surprised by your findings? What did you think you would find? And what did you find? We found a strong resentment that this would be yet another initiative, yet another initiative that was put from the top and imposed, and an understanding that if this was to be transformational, it has to really go with the hearts and minds and legs and feet of those who are running the NHS. I expected that, but I didn't expect to find it so passionately. But that, of course, gave us a great basis for the consultation because we said against some scepticism, we really will listen to you. And then our recommendation showed that we had. So we've developed a very light structure for the Leadership Council, one which will guide, advise, steer, but which will enable the action to be taken at the lowest point in the system where it can have an effect. So that rather than being imposed from the top, it's going to grow from the bottom and the middle. And we've got great support from the chief executive of the NHS, David Nicholson, for this, because he appreciates that with such a vast and diverse system, just imposition never, ever wins the hearts and minds of these extraordinarily able and gifted people who actually want to serve the NHS. Yes, because, you know, people talk about change fatigue in the NHS, don't they? They talk about the targets and taking the wheels off the trolley so Mm. the trolley is a bed. It it, it must have been quite a tricky consultation to carry out in that climate. The scepticism must have been there. I think scepticism and cynicism, would we really listen and would the listening be translated into the recommendations. We said that we were independent. We're not running the NHS. We hope we bring some wisdom and some external view upon the system, but we wanted to do it independently and with a shared passion to enable the NHS to grow into its full potential. And so I think it was through encountering us as individuals and being able, and the fact that we devoted a lot of time to talking to people 
um, meant that they began to really get our confidence. We then had an interim stage when we presented a provisional report and we listened again and we were told, in fact, still too top-down, still too initiative-like, still too big and like a huge parliament, which is actually not going to be able to make things happen. And so between the interim stage and the final stage, through that listening process, we then made it even lighter touch. We said at the beginning, of course, we're listening, but we can't guarantee to agree. But what we can guarantee is to think carefully about what you tell us. And I think, therefore, in the process, we won the trust of those who were talking with us. And in the final publication, which we've just made, we've had lots of um, emails and telephone calls from people to say, goodness me, you really did listen. We can see where we have influenced the outcome of this process. So what will the role of the National Leadership Council be in the future? It's indeed a strategic body, isn't it? It's entirely strategic, and the only thing it's operationally going to do is those things that need to be done at the very top. But largely it's going to guide, advise, steer. It's going to set standards and set policy, and it is going, we hope, to enable others throughout the system, whether in the SHAs or the PCTs or the Foundation Trusts, it's going to enable them with support, and it's going to have some money that it can give out, so that's going to be helpful, um, to really develop what is wanted locally. So people will be able to bid for money, they will be able to bid on the basis of a good proposal of how they want to make their leadership development happen. So strategic, advisory, guiding, standard setting, and above all, encouraging uh, the grassroots development. What about working with other social care organisations? Because, I mean, the economy of the NHS is mind-boggling, isn't it? Mm. You know, the figures, mm. the sums that, yeah. that are spent, the, the yes. proportion of the national yes. product as well. Yeah. Um, it, it involves a lot of other people other than those just in the NHS. Yes. We've talked about the health system because we want from the very beginning to be seen that it is this wide canvas and the interface between social care and health care is fundamentally important as indeed is the um, interface between health care that is in your hospitals and GPs and public health the whole area of public health of immunisation, of nutrition and so on. So you could Take from health care, you can go to social care, or you can also go to public health. What we've said is let's start with the NHS, um, but let's start in as open a way as possible so that those people who are working in social care who have their own institutions for leadership will actually want to come in and collaborate. So it's an NHS focus, but with very, very porous boundaries, and that we're hoping that those boundaries will lead over time to there being real strategic development, embracing both social care and public health. But let's start with where we know we can have an immediate impact. Okay, and and you do indeed talk about concepts like the leadership pipeline and the importance of of mentoring. That might be organisational theory that would apply to any business. One of the things that's happened with the rush to targets has been that much to my disappointment, the amount of mentoring and development that's been going on in the service has actually, we think, got less. We think that it has lessened and therefore we've made it a fundamental responsibility of everyone to look to the development of others, to play the mentoring role, which many people have said in the last few years, it's very important but I haven't got time. And we want to make that statement, it's very important but I haven't got time, outlawed for the future because we see the development of the next generation as being so important. How are we going to do that? 
um, in appraisal systems, in the way in which uh, uh, senior members of the NHS relate to other people who are working for them, they're going to have to be as interested in who they've mentored, who they've helped develop, what they're doing by way of leadership and career development for others, as they are in the extent to which they've met their daily targets. And we think there really is a fundamental wind of change that will make that a really significant part of the discussion that goes on between managers and between professionals. It's quite surprising that that culture wasn't there. That in itself is a revelation from your study. Well, I think the culture was there in the past, and I think that there's been a great wish to keep it there, but in a sense it's been seen to be less important and squeezed out because of the initiative, because of the targets. Now, we're not saying that those targets are unimportant. We're saying they're just insufficient for developing... Uh, the NHS and the healthcare system of the future. So it's not got to be either or. I'm afraid it's got to be and and. It's got to be target achievement and career development. It's got to be investing in systems and investing in people. And the importance of leadership in that is to set the tone and show in the way in which the members of the Leadership Council, the ways of the chief executives of the NHS, how they behave is going to be as important as the rules of what the Leadership Council will do. And we do think that there is a real urgency and passion about people wanting this change, especially if it's not going to be a 10-day wonder initiative, which we think it isn't going to be. So really, the Leadership Council is already instigating change within the NHS. It really is change from the bottom to the top. It is, and we've said to those who are going to be members of the Council, what do you do every day? What you do in your normal life, not just when you're sitting around the table, is going to have as profound an impact upon the culture and the way in which the NHS works as any papers the National Leadership Council produces. So, Sandra Dawson, if we spool on the National uh, Leadership Council for another couple of years, we hope that it won't be another government initiative that's being wound down, but, but something which is being copied, perhaps across Europe, across health systems? I think that's extremely important. I think that I don't believe that it will be wound down. I really do believe that it is a foundational and fundamental change. If it is not that, it will be really negative. And the real negative is that people will say, ah, yet another initiative which you haven't followed through. Now, would it transfer? Would it transfer across systems? We are already being influenced by what we observe as excellent practice for people who need to recruit, retain and energise those who are professionally trained, what's called the knowledge-based industries. If you talk to any accounting firm, if you talk to any consultancy firm and look at the investment they make in their leadership and the development of their people, we're in a way catching up in health. Having caught up, um, we have the advantage that we do have a national system, and so we can have quite a big impact quickly if there really is this passionate move. And I think that because everybody is looking at how they can improve quality and yet keep costs controlled, They can do that if they have more of the people on side and if they have very good leadership. So I am expecting other countries to come here and see what England and Wales are doing. And so just two final questions. If you had to have a message about the National Leadership Council to nurse, what would you say? And then if you had the same message to a chief executive of a strategic health authority, what would you say? Let's start with the nurse. 
I think if it doesn't impact, then it's a failure. And the reason it will impact is that we are looking particularly at clinical leadership. Clinical leadership is not just doctors. It's doctors, nurses, physiotherapists, occupational therapists. And each of those professional groups is being asked to develop their talent and leadership pipeline. They're being asked to say, let's have a look and see what mentoring is going on, what opportunities there are for career development, how you can stay being fundamentally a nurse and yet offer your wisdom and leadership to others who are following in the profession. So if the nurse in six months' time has never heard of the National Leadership Council or says it's nothing to do with me, then we will have failed. I believe that she will see what impact it can actually have, really on the wards. For the chief executive, I hope that he or she will think about what am I doing about the development of my people as well as what am I doing about the development of systems and looking at how my radiology department is working as a, as a department. And I, he or she will have to have uh, programs in which probably if you take a, um, a chief executive of a foundation trust, there'll be a top 30 or 40 leaders in that trust. There'll be another 200 people across the functions, across nursing, doctors, and administration. And the chief executive should be saying, what career development have we got in place for those? What opportunities are we giving for those to develop leadership capacity, both in terms of their own skills and in terms of their experience. We should look for much more secondments. We should make sure that everyone has a mentor. We should make sure that people are paying attention to investing in their own careers with the help of their organization. So when the chief executive is looking at what have I got to do this month, if the chief executive doesn't have talent and leadership on his priorities, then this will have failed. I believe he will have talent and leadership on his priorities. And of course I should have said he or she. Sandra Dawson, thank you very much for talking to Judge Window on the World podcast series today. I've enjoyed it very much. Very good. I've enjoyed it too, and I've got great hope of leadership in the health system.